Hey, beer nerds, and welcome to the podcast. Today is Tuesday, May 3rd, 2016. Uh, episode 10 of the Building Breweries podcast. Ten breweries down, many more to go. Uh, today we're speaking with uh, Nick Garrison, a foolproof brewing company located in Pawtucket, Rhode Island, uh, just north of Providence there, if, if you're familiar with the area. Um, uh, as, as always, I would, I'd like to thank everybody for listening and sharing and, and um, reviewing and rating and all of those good things that make me look good. Uh, if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to me on Twitter, MolerMD, M-O-E-L-L-E-R-M-D. Uh, if you know a brewery or if you are a brewery and you think that you have an interesting story to share, uh, I'd be happy to learn about it. Okay, let's head over to Pawtucket, Rhode Island, or I guess as the rest of the nation calls it, Pawtucket, Rhode Island. Uh, we are joined by Nick Garrison. He's the founder of Foolproof Brewing Company. Nick, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Mike. Thanks for uh, having me on the show. Yeah, d- did I say it right, Pawtucket? That's right, yeah. You drop the, drop the A and W and you'll speak like a true Rhode Islander. Oh, fantastic. What are, what are you up to right now? I am uh, driving back from a sales day, actually, down in Newport, uh, Rhode Island, which is uh, about uh, 40 minutes south of the country, which is almost you can possibly drive within the state of Rhode Island without leaving the state. So uh, this, is a, this is a long distance. <laughs> yeah. Someone in, in, in Rhode Island. Have you have you ever been to any of the mansions? I not not in a beer selling capacity, but I uh, <laughs> no. certainly uh, visited a few with uh, you know families in from out of town, and, and Newport's just gorgeous. Uh, it's an awesome awesome part of the state, and uh, you know, we're we're getting ready for for summer. Things are starting to come to life down here. So yeah. So um, so if if people can picture it, I think when people first think of uh, Rhode Island. If they like know one city, it's it's Providence, and so just to kind of um, give them a, give them a picture, Pawtucket is really just just north of Providence. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. yeah well, uh, a lot of people who aren't familiar with Rhode Island often uh, think it's part of New York, which yeah. is kind of funny. Um, but uh, yes, uh, Providence is the capital and, and uh, the the largest city in the um, in the state, but still very very small uh, in comparison to let's say uh, Boston. Um, but yeah, Pawtucket is literally just to the north. It sits right on the Massachusetts border, and uh, a lot of people are, are, I find, are familiar with Pawtucket for either uh, being the home of the Pawtuck, the Red Sox uh, farm team, uh, or uh, Family Guy. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Uh, McFarland. Yeah. Uh, well, in in the yeah, in the Industrial Revolution, though, if you're a history buff. That's true. Yeah, the Slater Mill uh, right in downtown Pawtucket is, is literally where the American Industrial Revolution started. So uh, it's it's a great city. It's a city with a lot of character. It's uh, you know when we opened up, so I, I met with the mayor of Pawtucket and, and told him you know face to face that uh, I thought that behind every great city there was a great brewery, and that whole group really wanted to be uh, that brewery for the city of Pawtucket. And uh, uh, I, I think I think we've we've slid into that role. So. Yeah, absolutely. From from what I remember, kind of drive, driving around uh, Rhode Island last summer, uh, I mean, your brewery is you know just a few minutes away from Providence. Is there a reason why you chose Pawtucket over Providence? Like a specific yeah, reason? Yeah, I mean, there there is a, a a few factors I think that that brought us into Pawtucket. I mean, one, I, you know, I met to the mayor, and, and you know, we had a, a a great experience working with him and his economic team. Um, you know, who were really interested in. Welcoming a new business, particularly a brewery, into the into the city. Um, you know, also the fact that 
the city of Pawtucket had made a very serious investment in their uh, water treatment facility, uh, upwards of uh, $50 million, actually. Um, and then, of course, for Burr, that's uh, very attractive. Sure. And then, um, you know, other, I, I would say, I guess, less obvious or less impact, impactful issues, but, you know, tax rates being slightly lower. Um, and just the kind of, as I mentioned, there's this, this kind of aesthetic to the city that we thought was a great fit for our brewery. And uh, the, just the building itself, to be perfectly honest, when we walked into the building for the first time, it, it, it could have been in, in any number of locations, but it happened to be in Pawtucket, and it was a great, uh, the building itself was a great fit for our brewing operation. Yeah, I, I agree. But uh, when you first opened, I guess back in 2012, you weren't even really foolproof back then. You were, you were known as hijinks. Why the change? That's right, yeah. Um, this is a fun, fun piece of trivia. We were called uh, Hijinx Brewing Company until literally two weeks before we opened our door for business. And uh, really the underlying reason is we, we found out at, at the last minute that we weren't going to be able to get a federal trademark on the name Hijinx. So, um, you know, just uh, some people think that we received some kind of letter or cease and desist, and that was absolutely not the case. We um, sort of made the decision in our own right that... Um, know we wanted to be fo- focused on on making a beer uh and not you know worrying about uh, trademark issues so we decided it'd be a lot easier to pull that band-aid off before we opened our doors and and you know kind of juggled around some new ideas and, and came up with foolproof and and frankly I, I really think uh it worked out for the best even though it was uh, a very stressful experience but it's it, it's interesting it's a common it, it's sort of a common theme i i get talking to a lot of other breweries uh, particularly in the last few years, is it, it's almost like you can't open a brewery these days without encountering some kind of, you know, trademark or copyright issue. It's it's very common in the industry as, as uh, so many breweries are opening up around the country. Why foolproof? Um, so foolproof. It, it, if you kind of break down the word, we have this gesture. Uh, it's a really cool gesture mask. It's the the logo, the icon, the mascot, if you will, of the brewery, and uh, the gesture represents having fun, having a good time, which is um, what, you know, we want the company, what we want the brewery to be all about, but it's also ultimately, you know, why I think people drink beer, because it's, it's fun. And so the jester sort of embodies that concept, and, and the jester is the fool in foolproof, and the proof is the alcohol, and so it's kind of a, a double <laughs> entendre. And, um, and, you know, obviously the foolproof, the, the word, it has a very you know, positive meaning behind it and has sort of like a message of quality and stability. And so, it, yeah, it just kind of, the, the name just kind of came to us organically and, uh, like I said, really, really worked out for the best. So, when, when you first opened, did you have any sort of marketing strategy? I mean, did you imagine uh, that you'd be pretty much as, you know, you're pretty well represented in, in New England, I, I believe, at least in my experience. Did you have any kind of marketing strategy to uh, get to that goal, or was it kind of surprising? Well, we knew, you know, we knew a few things, and of course, like the brewery at that point, nothing more than uh, you know, ideas on paper. <laughs> you know, so transitioning from a business plan into an actual business is really a fascinating experience. But you know, I mean, we really didn't know what to expect. I mean, we but we knew we. we we're going to focus on making really good beer, um, on, on having a story to tell with, with our brand, you know, something that sort of set us apart. And for us, that was, you know, associating beers with experiences, and I can talk about that in a minute. Um, and then the third one was just, you know, building a great team. And uh, I, I think we've excelled at, at doing those three things over the course of um, the three and a half so years we've been opened, and I think that's really led to our success. But, 
know, I can't, I can't tell you with a straight face that, oh, you know, what's happening now is sure. exactly what we expected, um, and, and this is never the case with with opening any business. But uh, it's it's been a wild ride. Yeah. Uh, now you, you kind of hit you can you hit on it a little bit earlier or just now. Um, you are experience-based brewing. That is how you describe your, your beers and everything that you make. Can you go into lo- into that a little bit more? Yeah, well, so kind of like playing off something I was saying a couple of minutes ago just about beer being a lot of fun. Well, it, for me, beer has almost been fun because it's, it's an experience. It's something that brings friends and family together. And like, I've always associated drinking beer with, with sort of like key moments in life or, or memories I have and so I, I sort of took that concept and made it the underlying I, I guess marketing theme of the company and that's like alright when people are having our beer like what can we do to, to make them have an experience and so we actually associate the beers and the styles with experiences and of course that doesn't mean you have to like you can only enjoy our rain cloud robust porter on a rainy day but it's just to kind of encourage people to sort of think of beer drinking as an experience. So, so, so I can drink we, the ba- so I can drink the backyard IPA in the uh, in my kitchen. You can drink it whatever you want. Absolutely. Okay. Um, it's it's more like the beers are sort of like tributes to these these what we like to call sacred beer drinking experiences. And the thing, I, one thing I really liked about the idea is that it's like something that unites like beer lovers no matter where you're located. Um, so we knew that we had aspirations to grow outside of Rhode Island, become a, you know, a regional, a national, maybe even international beer brand one day, and uh, having a way to connect with anybody, regardless of geography, was very important, and so the idea of, yeah, you know, uh, having a nice IPA while flipping burgers, or sitting on a beach, or staying inside on a rainy day, like, it doesn't really matter what state or country you live in, you know, anyone who loves beer can kind of get behind that concept. Yeah, uh, and, and again, you hit on that uh, on my next uh, question a little bit. Um, I remember when I was on my brewery tour there, um, it kind of my, my group was kind of taken by surprise when when our um, when our tour got in. Man, I really wish I remembered his name. He was so good. Um, that you're represented very well in New England, but you're also in Dallas, Texas, or at least maybe at the time it was. Did that? Did that? Is that the case? Are you are you in Dallas? And if so. Uh, how'd you end up there? Yeah, we're, we're actually in Houston, and it's kind of a random story. We, um, you know, as everyone knows, the beer business is very seasonal, and so things slow down quite a bit in, you know, the January through March time frame. And so, uh, you know, we have this sort of idea. That it's really an experiment, I think would be the best way to describe it, um, of just, like, having limited distribution in a warm weather or warm climate market so that when you hit that inevitable winter slowdown in New England, well, guess what? People in Texas are, are still drinking beer, a lot of beer that time of year because it's gorgeous. So, um, yeah, it, it's funny. It's, a, it, it's one of those things that we, you know, not, not a lot of people know that we are distributed down there, but we also do a pretty limited amount of distribution. But we're, uh, we're uh, seeing some really good things happen in, in Houston. We've only really been down there a few months now. Um, and, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll We'll see what happens. Did you did you have Houston in mind for specific reason? I mean, what was the connection there? Well, we were uh, we actually were in Dallas. To your point, um, unfortunately, we think didn't really work out with a, with a wholesaler that we were with down there, and and uh, you know we moved on, and it was fine, and uh, we we realized, well, hey, you know, we went through all this trouble to get licensed in the state of Texas, and you know, getting licensed and, and distribution approval in any state can be a pretty daunting experience, so. Uh, we happened to meet uh, a, another kind of 
young up-and-coming wholesaler at the Extreme Beer Fest in Boston oh. uh, a couple of years back, and, and that was sort of what precipitated the uh, relationship. And um, they were, you know, they were based in Houston, so we said, "Hey, we <laughs> we're technically uh, available to distribute statewide Texas, and we've got this license, so so why not?" Ah, yeah, makes sense. We'll come to Kentucky soon. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wh- what was your biggest setback? Kind of looking back, but I guess besides the the last minute name change, what was your biggest setback when you were opening up your your brewery? And was this? I guess I should have got on this a little bit earlier. Is, is this your first business that you've that you've owned and founded? It is. Yeah. Uh, first brewery, first business. Period. So, um, in terms of setbacks, you know, I, I think what many or probably every entrepreneur would tell you is like you almost wish you had raised a little bit more money, you know, particularly in, in those first two years. The, the first two years of any business typically are the most stressful, and it's just, you know, for all the usual reasons, cash flow and uncertainty and, you know, uncertainty about the business and, and not sure, you know, the, the beer is going to sell, it hasn't been proven in the market, and, and uh, like, all of those stresses and, and pressures were, were certainly things that uh, led to many sleepless nights, but, you know, now that we're starting year four, there's, of course, still a lot of stresses and challenges but um yeah i think i think those kind of initial two years of just learning how to do everything you know being a totally new company and new to the industry i mean literally everything we did was a was a learning experience um and that's a that's a big challenge for for any uh new brewery yeah a, a lot of the the times or the people i've interviewed so far they've they've had a similar story maybe maybe they've been making a really great beer but maybe they also didn't really have um Maybe they weren't too business savvy. I'm not saying that's necessarily your case, but they ended up having to bring somebody else on to kind of steer the ship and make sure that you know yep. they pay, they pay taxes and things like that. You're right. Yeah, I know. I mean, it's funny. It's one thing you hear a lot in this industry is like, "Oh, you want to open a brewery? Well, like making the beer is the easy part. <laughs> it's all the other stuff. You know, you know, understanding the regulations, understanding how distribution works, and and you know, how do you how do you go about forming distribution partnerships and making those choices and, and you know those, those are incredibly uh, critical to your business and finding the right people and creating a culture at your company and you know bookkeeping and it, it, like, the list is almost infinite sure. um, and, and somewhere somewhere on there is making beer <laughs> well what what got you into making beer like were you were you home brewing I guess yeah so I uh, like many people uh, in the industry started as a home brewer and just what, what started as a hobby uh, quickly developed into an obsession, yeah. and uh, I just was just so in love with it, and was living in Rhode Island, and saw that the market was um, kind of underserved in terms of having local breweries. Rhode Island, at the, and this is, uh, sorry, just going back to about 2008 when the crazy idea first came into my head, um, you know, Rhode Island had the lowest number of breweries per capita in all of New England, and, and people were you know, drinking plenty of good beer down here, but there just wasn't a lot of Rhode Island-based breweries, and and so uh, that was kind of that was part of the genesis of the whole plan. And uh, since then, it's been great. There's there's been what I describe as a miniature renaissance in the Rhode Island beer scene, and I think uh, oh, I know Foolproof has been a big part of that, and uh, so that's been exciting to watch. Um, it's it's pretty amazing in just three years how much not only the local beer scene has changed, but uh, uh, the national beer scene, actually. Do, do you have uh, do you have a pretty good relationship with other Rhode Island brewer, breweries? I mean, do you uh, have any kind of collaboration projects? And, and like, is that even going to be a possibility? Absolutely. 
I mean, I have a fabulous relationship with, I think, all the Rhode Island breweries. Where, uh, there's an organization called the Rhode Island Brewers Guild. You know, lot, uh, I, I feel like most states have some form of a, a guild structure, and uh, you know, we meet once a month and uh, talk, you know, discuss issues that affect all of us collectively as breweries, and uh, drink a lot of beer together, of course. And uh, no, I, I think there's a there's a great camaraderie and kind of sense of kinship in in Rhode Island brewing. Um, and of course, you know, at the end of the day, we're all competitors in the sense that we, you know, make beer and, and want people to buy our own beer over somebody else's. But uh, it's one of the, I think, one of the perks of the industry is that sort of attitude and camaraderie that you see. Is there a specific um, fight that you know all Rhode Island breweries are having to face right now due to some legislative uh, law or anything like that? Well, you know that there are certain. There are certainly legislative challenges. Um, you know, Rhode Island is admittedly a little bit behind the times. Uh, you know, uh, particularly when you compare it to other New England states in terms of um, you know how the laws are set up and uh, you know changing laws. It, it, it's it's a very long process. It's not something that happens overnight. And there's actually within the first year of us opening, there was a very significant um, jump forward where breweries went from not being able to essentially sell any beer to people coming to visit to selling up to a six-pack, which is which is still, you know, restrictive in, in comparison to surrounding states, but, um, you know, it was a step forward. So, um, you know, there, there's now a, sort of another round of, of uh, discussions going on in that front, and, and uh, it sounds like there might be some changes um, coming that will benefit breweries, uh, but it's... Uh, you know, Rhode Island politics are, are pretty, uh, pretty fascinating. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> I, this is probably just a rumor, but I, I pretty much heard that the mob owned uh, Providence for many decades there. But who knows? Yeah. Well, back back in the day, it was uh, that, that was kind of like the old Rhode Island, and I think the state has obviously come a long way and, and, and worked very hard to sort of shed that uh, unfortunate past reputation. But no, Rhode Island today is. is very very different place than it was uh, a few decades ago um but you still see uh certain certain remnants of just like how how politics and business works in rhode island which is is interesting to observe sometimes sure um so looking back what was the first home brew that you ever made uh the first home brew i made was uh a pale ale and uh it was extremely mediocre (laughs) 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 If, if, if one can put those two adjectives together but it, but it was um, but it was good because it was yours <laughs> it was mine and it had alcohol on it and that, that kind of like the two criteria I was looking for as a home brewer um, yeah it, it, but it, like I was just hooked I mean after that first batch um, you know it, it, the, the books kept coming in the equipment kept coming in the trips to Home Depot and Lowe's um, <laughs> and uh, what was interesting is I became equally fascinating around that time, you know, not just the brewing, but just sort of like how beer worked as a business, you know, what the industry was like. And of course, I didn't have any experience working in it, but um, hmm. I was sort of just <laughs> sort of teaching myself a lot of the things and, and reading a ton of books and reaching out to colleagues or people I knew had any connection into uh, the actual beer industry. And that was sort of what led to, uh, you know, uh, uh, the rough structure of a business plan coming together. And, uh, you know, some people, I mean, I spent about three and a half years researching and planning the brewery. You know, some people, you know, hear stories about <laughs> they have a few too many drinks one night and they're going to open a brewery and, like, a week later they, like, quit their jobs and go for it. And I have 
a lot of admiration for people who make that leap of faith. I, you know, I was just a little more cautious about it, knowing that I was going to be making some pretty significant life changes to make it happen. So yeah, and yeah, three and a half cool. years. <laughs> yeah, were, were you uh, were you extract uh, brewing or were you uh, doing just like did you switch over to all grain? You know, I, 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 I probably did like four or five extract batches, and then I was just so fascinated, I jumped right into all grain after that, and that was uh, all I wanted to do. And then, you know, went from bottling over to draft, and I had all the draft units in my house, which, you know, my, my wife loves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, it's, it's funny, my, uh, we, we have, uh, most of my staff are, are home brewers, and so we've sort of like collectively migrated our home brewing equipment over to the brewery which uh you know our spouses appreciate and uh our our quote-unquote pilot system is really like a hodgepodge of our of our home brewing system so it's funny like my original mash ton is like what we use for mashing pilot batches and like it's just funny seeing that like juxtaposed with a you know a 30 barrel brew house um the thing or the the story i like to tell is like you know my first home brewing kit you know everyone knows you know, every home brewer remembers that first kit. You know, you get the buckets and the hoses. I just joke that, like, literally a plastic bucket changed my life. Um, oh, yeah. You know, like a $2, like a $2, <laughs> six, you know, gallon bucket is, like, totally revolutionized my life. And uh, so you never know what your uh, what your source of inspiration is going to be. Yeah, absolutely. Just a little trip to Home, home Depot or Lowe's, and, and who knows. Um, what, was yeah. the, what was the last beer that you had that wasn't your own? Um, I just left uh, a bar, I was doing a sales day, and uh, I had uh, an Allagash Curia, which is uh, delicious, so. Okay. Uh, if just, you could... just a few minutes ago. <laughs> yeah, just, just a few minutes ago in Newport. Man, I'm, I'm jealous. I, I, I love Newport. That was, that was beautiful. Um, if you could yeah, trade places with any other brewer or brewery or, you know, founder of another brewery, where would you go and who would you trade places with? And, and keep in mind that they are now in charge of foolproof. And let's just do this for a week. Oh, interesting. Um, well, it would probably be, let's see, it would probably be a, a brewery that was much larger than I am, just so I could see kind of what it was like running that size of an operation and selfishly having them running my operation. They'd probably fix a lot of the things I'm doing. For, sure. Which uh, I'm sure are plentiful. But um, I think I can think of probably a, a dozen. But I'll, you know what I'll say? Uh, I'll say... Sam Calagione of Dogfish Head just because he's uh, uh, a big inspiration and, and I've met him a few times and super nice guy and uh, just you know, really smart and knows the industry and um, I like his approach to innovation and, and uh, yeah, it would, be, it would be fascinating just to kind of look through his eyes and, and you know, conversely have him take a look at what I'm doing and it probably help me out in a lot of ways. So. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, I, I know you're pretty busy, so just one last question for you. When was the no, last time, when was the last time um, that you had the official uh, food and drink of Rhode Island being the hot wiener and coffee milk? Oh, man. Uh, within within the last year, I'd, be, I'd have trouble pinning down a date, <laughs> uh, but it was uh, probably last summer. Last summer. Uh, I just coffee that, start down. And, and, and I wouldn't say they were where they were enjoyed together, but uh, uh, no, no. I, I I went to I went to whatever diner that was in Providence or whatever that you know invented it, and uh, it was uh, Olneyville. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It it, it was a meal. New York system. Yeah, <laughs> New York system. Yep, it was certainly a meal. Um, and, I've always thought that was funny that the, like the 
marquee uh, Rhode Island, you know, food product is called New York System. But, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, when I got back to when I got back to Kentucky, I was telling people about that, and I remember one of my friends saying, you know, when people think of Kentucky, they think of uh, fried chicken and bourbon, and people think of Rhode Island. Yeah. It's it's hot wieners and coffee milk, which is just a. <laughs> But hey, yeah. I uh, I really appreciate your time, and uh, like I said, if you have any plans to bring foolproof to um, to Kentucky, I would be all for that. Do you have any uh, events or, or future plans that you'd like people to know about? Um, let's see. I mean, we uh, we just entered. Uh, and, and by the way, you know, we'd love to get to Kentucky uh, one day. Uh, and who knows? Maybe that opportunity will present itself. Um, but uh, in, in terms of upcoming events, you know, it, it's. Every week we have a beer show, so I would if, if people are interested in foolproof, want to check us out. And if you live in New England, because New England or Houston, yeah. <laughs> we discuss. Um, you know, check out our website. We you know we post a bar event, beer fest. Um, you know, we do brewery tours every weekend, Friday, Saturdays, and now Sundays. Um, so you know, keep an eye out for our beers, and and if you're in the general vicinity of uh, New England, hopefully uh, people will pop into the brewery or, or find us at a beer fest we're participating in. And, and come over, have a beer, and say hello. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I will. I will be glad to do that again. Personally, I had a good time last time. So, hey, I really appreciate your time. Okay. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. Take yeah, care. absolutely. Drive safely. Okay. I have to praise you like I should.